chapter number 6, and you can, if you got a copy of the outline tonight, we're going through this series on Wednesday nights on prayer, and God just kind of got a hold of my heart. Maybe whenever we were in Israel, and uh, of course, we, you can see the picture here. This is a picture, that one of the pictures that I took of uh, when we were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and had a great time, had a season of prayer, had a small service there. And uh, I, was, I was taking pictures, but I was taking pictures on the light side, and I think I took about 1,400 pictures. That was the light side. There were people that were taking pictures. I mean, Brother Robert must took like 10,000 pictures, I think, while he was there. He just, he just picture after picture. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm praying maybe even this Sunday that if the Lord would give me the opportunity, I'd, I'd love to share some of the things by way of, of slides and, of course, some of the information from the Word of God and uh, share some of that with you. And uh, I, like I said, maybe in the days ahead, I'd love to maybe take another group and maybe in a couple years we'll plan another trip. And if you, you have a desire to go, you can go. But, uh, you know, I, I will tell you this, it's a lot of walking, right, Gladys? Miss <laughs> Gladys said, man, I had no idea we were going to walk that much. But uh, we, we got through it. We've got the T-shirt, right? Me and Miss Martha and Miss Gladys, that we have survived going to the Holy Land. It's kind of hard because there's, there's everything here in South Florida is flat. And nothing's flat in the Holy Land. <laughs> so there's no way to plan and prepare. There's no mountains here to go climb. And so it's just, uh, but it's a great, great place. And I hope everyone can get there at least once in their lifetime. All right. Well, Matthew chapter number six is an interesting portion dealing with many things here, but the chapter begins dealing with this matter of prayer. Look at what it says here in verse number one, because it, it, the Bible, before it gets to the issue of prayer, it says in verse one, Jesus now talking, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. It says here that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee how? Openly. Now, he's talking about alms, your giving, all right? And he moves from this matter of giving in these first four verses to the next couple verses, this matter of praying. So he's using the example of giving. Then he moves to this matter of prayer. And so Jesus, after this short discourse on what I would say the follies of trying to appear, and this remember he used the word hypocrites. So what these people were doing was they were trying to appear religious in front of other people. They were trying to act like they were super Christians. And so Jesus then moves from this matter of giving to praying. Now look at verse 5. The Bible says, and... When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. He said the same thing about alms, about giving. He says, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. 
He says, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, he said the same thing about giving, shall reward thee how? Openly. But notice verse 7. When ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But, notice here, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. As you look in this portion of Scripture, the Bible uses here in one of these verses the word closet. Enter into thy closet. Now the Greek word that's used there is the word temeon, which means an inner storage chamber or a secret room. The point is, in this passage, and he began with alms, moves into prayer, the point is that a public prayer that is one that is announced on a street corner, you stand there and pray out loud, a public prayer gives the prayer, the person praying, all the attention that he can expect to receive. In other words, people are walking by, they're hearing him praying what he prays. Now, on the other hand, a quiet prayer, in other words, a private prayer is what he's dealing with here, is something that's directed at God and not at some bypassers, the people walking by. And if we pray in private, in quiet, now look, I'm not lessening what we call corporate prayer. We pray here at church. Oh, we call on people to pray. I just prayed for some, and, and there's a place for that in the Word of God, but in this passage, it's dealing with entering into thy closet and praying to God, directly to God. And the Bible says that if we do that, we will also reap some spiritual blessings. Now, uh, when you study this out, and I did a lot of studying on this very topic about the prayer closet, a lot of people have various ideas when it comes to this. Some people, what they do is they set aside a room, a quiet place, maybe a corner in their home, some people will take maybe a walk-in closet, something like that. They'll furnish it. They might put a comfortable chair in there. They might even put a table in there. That They would have their Bible, maybe a note, notebook, a notepad, maybe a journal, something like that, some pens. And what they'll do is they'll use that place to go for a regular time of prayer between them and God. And some people will do that. The room that Jesus is talking about, this closet, this place to go and get away with God is most likely the way Jesus used it meant something similar to what we would have in our homes in this day and hour would be like a pantry, something that was small. It wasn't a huge room, but nonetheless, I don't think there's any indication on the size, but a prayer closet might be something that is different than what you imagine. For instance, notice here, Maybe the, a prayer closet could be your daily commute to work. You wouldn't think of it that way. But you can get alone with God. You can be communing with God while you're driving to work. Now, do it with your eyes open. Don't do it with your eyes closed. Uh, another place that you might uh, spend some time with the Lord would be on, the, on a bench, maybe in your backyard. Just a quiet place. Now, again, you wouldn't consider that to be a closet, 
but it's a place that you can get alone and commune with God. Another one might be uh, your table in your kitchen, you know, where you actually sit and you open your Bible, maybe have a, a notepad there. I love what, this is a true account, John Wesley, uh, Charles and John Wesley, uh, two men of days gone by, their mother, John Wesley's mother, she, uh, it is said that she would sit down in a chair and she actually would take her apron and she would drape it over her head and that was her sign to her kids that it's time to leave mom alone. And she just sat right there in a chair and draped that over her head so that she could spend that private time with the Lord. Remember what Jesus did? One of the many things that he did was he found himself a secluded place many times and he got alone with God. And so we're talking here about this matter of private prayer. With saying all this, here's what I want the point to be, is that the closet, as Jesus said, enter into thy closet, it's really a place that is free from interruption. It's a place that's free from distractions. It's a, a place that is free for the person to actually pray to God, but also listen to what God has to say. And there are a lot of good reasons to have a, a place that is dedicated and set aside. Jesus talks about that here in Matthew 6, but Jesus is dealing with this matter of, again, people who perform religious acts, and the reason they're doing that is because they want to be seen of others and they want to be heard of others. So this prayer closet, this concept is that you and I would be able to find a place if it's a closet in our house, if it's the front seat in our car, a bench in our backyard, the table in our kitchen, that it's a place that we can go and we can be free from interruption, free from distraction. Listen, any act, whether it's praying or, as he mentioned in the beginning of this chapter, giving or even serving God, all of those should not be done for the purpose of gaining approval from other people. Uh, you know, sometimes you see people when, when the offering plates pass by and, and they're putting it in almost as if, is everybody seeing me put this in? You know, that's not the purpose behind it. Praying and giving and serving, they should be responses to our relationship with God that I want to give. It's not about other people seeing me or other people hearing me. I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for the Lord. This is my relationship with Him. Look, if a specific place, something that's dedicated, set apart by yourself, if it encourages you to pray, then by all means, use it. Some of you may have a place. Uh, I know that as uh, newlyweds, that it was just myself and my wife. When we started having children, our house got very busy. It was hard to find a place where I could just get alone without any distractions or interruptions. Sometimes I had to develop to where I would get up before my children would get up. Or I, once they went to bed, I would, I would then get out some things and I would spend some time in the Word of God, spend some time communing with God, praying with God. And look, it, it, sometimes it, even if you're in a, a, a quiet beach, maybe sometimes, or maybe you're in a car, whatever is, wherever you're at, it's perfectly acceptable. But here's the thought is, it's not as much about the place as it is about the prayer. Let me say that again. It's not so much about the place. You have to understand, Jesus is using the example of the prayer closet or praying in private 
But he used the very same terminology talking about giving. See, the emphasis isn't on the place. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with having a prayer closet. A lot of you probably saw the movie. I think we even showed it here on a couple's activity, The War Room, right? And, and it was a great concept, and that's where they got this from, is uh, having a place that you can go and see that. Now, I want you to see two aspects tonight as you think about this, and all of this is straight from the pages of the Word of God. So notice number one tonight, the private prayer closet. Do we see it in the Bible? Now, remember, it's not so much about the place as it is about the prayer. So what I'm going to show you from the Word of God, and by the way, I, these are just a few examples. I could, we could have been here all night uh, talking about this matter of private prayer, getting alone with God. But notice as we enter into the prayer closet, first of all, with Moses. We enter into the prayer closet with Moses. If you go back in your Bible in the book of Exodus, you find in Exodus 34, this is when uh, Moses has spent 40 days and 40 nights with God. He's been on the mountain, and he comes down from the mountain. Of course, you remember what the people were doing when he came down. You remember the tables were destroyed. And so he goes back up to the mountain, remember? And God, God had him take another set of tables, two brand new tables of stone, and he returns to the mountain so that God can reaffirm to Moses, the man of God, the very words of the covenant that God was going to give to his people. And as Moses goes up there, he spends time with God. That was his closet, so to speak. And I want you to look at what it says here in Exodus 34 and verse number 29, because as Moses goes up there, guess what happens? When he enters into his prayer closet, Moses doesn't do the talking. God does the talking, and Moses does the listening. You know what we think prayer and it, prayer a lot of times is? Lord, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But you know, many a times prayer should be us listening to the voice of God. Now, I'm not talking about an audible voice, but I'm talking about God communicating to us, showing things to us from His Word, sharing things. Listen, one of the best things that you can have when you enter into a prayer closet situation is to have God's Word with you, to have it open. Look what the Bible says in, in uh, verse 29. It came to pass when Moses came down. He came down from where? The mount, right? He came down from spending time with God. And the Bible says he came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand. When he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses... Behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. There's two things that I see from Moses' time in his prayer closet that, honestly, you and I ought to spend time in our prayer closet for the very same things. Notice, first of all, I see the value of extended seasons of prayer. Because Moses was a different man when he came down from that mountain. He had spent time with God. When we spend extended seasons with God in prayer, it will change us. But notice the second thing is that as Moses was there, what did he do? He listened while God spoke to his heart. When he came down, 
the Shekinah glory, the people looked at him and they're like, there is something about Moses. He's been with God. And folks, when we go into our closet, just like Moses did, we can go in there and we can let God speak to us during that time of private prayer. Notice also if we go into the prayer closet with Isaac, what do we see in Isaac's prayer closet? Well, it's interesting, Isaac's prayer closet was out in the field. The Bible says here in Genesis 24 that Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. You know what that means? That Isaac, he enjoyed praying out of doors. Isaac just enjoyed getting out, maybe looking up at the sky and and praying directly to God. And maybe Isaac's prayer closet was something that we wouldn't think of, but the Bible says he went out into the field, and what did he do? He meditated. What does the word meditate mean? He prayed. He fixed his eyes on the subject of God. He contemplated God. Look, we all need to have a place, just like Isaac did. I don't know if it was at the exact same place out in the field that he went to at all times, but he would go out there and he would get alone with God. It doesn't have to be any place particular, but it needs to be a place where we can get alone with God. And so I find that Moses went up on the mountain to get with God. Isaac went out into the field. Look at the prayer closet, thirdly, of Jacob. Now, Jacob pulled an all-night prayer meeting. I mean, Jacob's wasn't no little bitty prayer. Jacob prayed all night. His closet experience was an all-nighter alone with God. Look at Genesis 32. Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast, what's that last word? Prevailed. You know what many call this? Prevailing prayer. Have you ever heard anybody talk about praying through? This is right here where they get this from. Jacob wouldn't let this angel go. Many believe that this was a Christophany of the Lord himself, but Jacob prevailed. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Listen, Jacob spent time in that closet. That's exactly what many of us need to do is we need to learn to be a prayer wrestler, a prayer wrestler. God, I'm not going to stop praying for my my child. I'm not going to stop praying for my boss. I'm not going to stop praying for America. I'm not going to let you go until you bless And that's exactly what Jacob did. Jacob was a prayer wrestler. He laid himself out in prayer, and he was not going to yield until God blessed his life. You know, they they say that James, in the Bible, that James prayed so much and so long on his knees that his nickname actually was Camel Knees. That's how much he prayed on his knees. And many have, have understood this matter of, praying in the closet like Jacob did. Jacob wrestled with God. That was his prayer closet. Notice letter D. We can look in the prayer closet with Paul. 
boy, so many things we could say about Paul. But you know, I think it all starts in the beginning after Paul got saved. Of course, his name was still Saul, right, of Tarsus? But the very first thing that we find Paul doing after his conversion, look in Acts 9-11. The Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, what's he doing? He's praying. He's praying. From, from Paul's prayer closet, we can learn that prayer ought to be the natural behavior of a Bible-believing Christian and understand that if we're going to do the work of God, it has to be accompanied with prayer. And that's what Paul understood. Look, you look, and I wish we had the time tonight. All that was accomplished in the ministry of the Apostle Paul and the secret to that was that Paul was a praying man. He prayed for those Christians. He prayed for those churches. And many times it was in Paul's prayer closet, his private prayers. Now, certainly Paul prayed publicly, but it was the private times that he got alone with God like Jacob did, like Moses did, like Isaac did. How about letter E? Let's go to the prayer closet with Peter. With Peter. Peter you remember as Peter was one of those that was with the Lord when Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus tried to teach his disciples how to pray. And notice the Bible says in Acts 10, in the life of Peter after the Lord ascended, the Bible says on the morrow as they went on their way and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Hey, listen, they, they say that it was on those rooftops that a lot of times people that lived here in Bible times would go up there to get away from everything, to go up and find some peace and quiet, to go up there and, and maybe even uh, fall into sleep. And the Bible records here that Peter's up on the roof, and what's he doing? He's on the rooftop praying. Hey, this might have been Peter's prayer closet, and it was on that rooftop, if you remember the passage, that God used prayer here to prepare the preacher. Does anybody remember what Peter was suffering under at that particular time? He was a man suffering from prejudice. Remember he says, uh, the Bible says, rise Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, not so Lord, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. Peter was struggling with the fact that the gospel was only for certain people and that only certain people were privileged and God was trying to change Peter's heart. Well, where did God change Peter's heart? In his prayer closet. Up on top of that rooftop is where God got a hold of Peter's heart. He began to work on it. And here's the interesting thing is that after God changed Peter's heart, what did he do? He sent him to a Gentile's house by the name of Cornelius. <laughs> God says, now that, I, now that your heart's right, Peter, now that you kind of got over that prejudice, now I can use you. And God did that in his life. Look, the Lord wants to use those times that we get alone. And look, we need to spend some time preparing. Somebody said, studying alone prepares the head. But the prayer closet prepares the heart. Prepares the heart. We need to make sure, like Peter did, that our hearts are 
are, are in tune with what God has. And listen, getting alone in the closet with God, if it's on a rooftop, it's in your car, wherever it's at, it'll help you to have a heart for the things of God. But look at letter F. We can't talk about prayer closets without talking about the architect of the prayer closets. Let's go into the prayer closet of Jesus. Let's see what the Bible says about Jesus. Because the Bible says in John 6, 15, when Jesus perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Jesus goes and gets alone. Luke 9, the Bible says, came to pass as he was alone praying. Notice his disciples, they were there with him. But what was he doing? He was praying. Luke 5, he withdrew himself into the wilderness and he prayed. One of, one of Jesus' favorite places is, is the picture that you have on the front of that, that, uh, that, that outline tonight. One of his favorite places to pray was the garden. Jesus loved that place and there he prayed the prayer in his closet there in the garden of Gethsemane. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. On one occasion, this is interesting. Remember, I told you it's not about the place. It's about the prayer. I really believe that that is true, that one of Jesus's places of his closet, his place of prayer, was hanging on an old rugged cross. Jesus was hanging there for the sins of the world, our sins. And while he was in that prayer closet of his life, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How about this one? Jesus, according to the Bible, is still in the prayer closet today. He's still praying for us today. Look at the Bible says in Hebrews 7, 25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Amen. Jesus is still praying for us, folks. He's still uh, begging God that more people would come to know uh, the Savior. Look, when I look at the life of Jesus, I can't say the same for Paul and Peter and Isaac and Moses, but I can tell by the life of Jesus that Jesus' life was one of constant communion with God. Constant communion. That's why the Bible tells us in the New Testament, pray without what? Ceasing. Now listen, it's not about the place as much as it is about the prayer. So we look at the private prayer closet, and there's many other examples, but look at number two, the private prayer council. What kind of counsel can we receive from the Word of God, even from the Lord Himself? Because Jesus told His disciples in Matthew 6, He says, don't be like the hypocrites, those that want to be religious, want people to notice them, to hear them, to see what they're doing. Jesus tries to teach them how to pray. And as he does in that teaching them, here's what he does. Interesting. He gives them some warnings. He gives them some guidelines. Now, why would Jesus do that? Why would he give guidelines and warnings when it, in regards to prayer? And here's why. Because when it comes to prayer, remember, it's a human that's praying to an almighty God. It's finite praying to the infinite. 
And so understand that anytime the flesh is involved, there's the danger that we too could be led astray even by Satan himself. Remember when Jesus was in the garden and he asked his disciples just to pray a short while with him? And he came back and what were they doing? Sleeping. They were fast asleep. Boy, the flesh wants to give in. As a matter of fact, you, you think about the life of Jesus. The Bible tells us that two of Satan's strongest attacks towards Jesus, two of his strongest attacks came during times that Jesus was having intimate communion with his Father. Two of those times. Listen, that's why the devil doesn't want you to pray. I tell people all the time, if you're struggling falling asleep, just start praying. Because the devil knows there's power in prayer. He doesn't want you to pray. And so understand as we think about this, how important it is. Because if, the, if Jesus was attacked by the devil, then don't you think that you and I would be attacked if we start praying? Certainly, we would be a target. We would be treated the exact same way that the devil treated Jesus. The devil's going to try to do everything he can to hinder your prayer life, to try to get your flesh involved. And so when Jesus began to talk about prayer, notice here in chapter 6 of Matthew, I want you to see a couple aspects about prayer. See, first of all, real prayer, according to Jesus, is a priority. Real prayer is a priority. He says, don't do it to be seen or heard from others. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be fake and phony about it. Here's what he says. When thou prayest, notice he didn't say if you pray, he says when thou prayest, it has to be a priority. We are commanded by God to pray. It's one of those many commands that we find in the word of God. Luke 18, 1, he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Folks, if prayer is not a priority, then guess what? We'll never pray. We'll never pray. If it's not important to you, then you will not pray to God. Notice, not only did Jesus teach in Matthew 6 that prayer is a priority, but secondly, real prayer is personal. I love these words. Our Father. Our Father. We're praying to someone that knows us and cares about us. Someone that did something unbelievable he gave his son for us and when we pray it's personal listen this there is a a place for public prayer but again this prayer that jesus is teaching in matthew 6 it's private prayer and when we pray in private guess what you'll pray things privately that you wouldn't pray publicly right because if you prayed it publicly you might be ashamed or embarrassed but you can go to God privately. And it's important that we see that God's given us this avenue and we can humble ourselves before Him. Look, you can be honest with God. You know why? Because God already knows even before you pray it. He knows everything about us. See, Jesus was teaching that real prayer is a priority. Real prayer is personal. Notice, real prayer, thirdly, is precious. He says here, Pray to thy Father, which is in secret. Now, this kind of caught me when I was, I was studying this, and I spent some time, I wish I had a lot more time on this, but this matter of in secret. 
it actually deals with the very thought of the, coming to the Lord in the very dwelling place of God. If you're studying the Old Testament, you know that, that once a year, the high priest would go in to the place called what? The Holy of Holies. The very dwelling place of God. And when Jesus says here, pray to thy Father which is in secret, see, just like that high priest in the Old Testament, you and I, we have access to God in the Holy of Holies. Well, how is that made possible? Through prayer. Come boldly before the throne of grace. James says in, in chapter 4, verse 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. See, Jesus was teaching that real prayer is something that is a priority. It's personal. It's precious because you get to come to God in secret. You get to come into the presence of God. But as we come into His presence, notice he's, Jesus said it, it is a prayer that is powerful. Because I love this. We serve a powerful God, do we not? He's a mighty God. As a matter of fact, He's the almighty God. And when Jesus said these words, Thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. God wants to bless your life. God wants to reward His children. And when we pray, if we're praying out of a sincere desire for God to work in our lives, to have communion with Him, then God, you know what God's going to do? He's going to honor us. He's going to bless those prayers. He's going to answer in a way that honestly will demonstrate the fact that He is God. He's God. He is a powerful God. And there is power in prayer. Folks, listen, when we pray and we begin to pray, and it's all about us. God's not going to bless that kind of prayer. But when we get to the place that instead of wanting to be seen by others, that our prayer life is all about Him, then guess what you can do? Expect God to move because of the response of our prayers. Uh, years ago, our children grew up, and they probably learned to hate it after they were a certain age, but... They grew up singing songs by Ron Hamilton, Patch the Pirate. We used to love to hear our girls sing those little songs. A lot of them were, were great little songs, little virtue songs and uh, you know, songs. How many of you know Patch the Pirate? Some of you do. Some of you are looking at me. You should, you should go online and check it out. But he had songs like The Wiggle Worm. The Wiggle Worm will get you if you don't watch out, you know. And uh, there's all kinds of great songs that he would sing there. But one of the songs that he had was called My Quiet Time Alone with God. And th this is where Ron Hamilton, Patch the Pirate, got that thought from, was right here, where Jesus wasn't making much out of a place as much as he was out of the prayer. And he recorded these words and he put them to song. And the song goes, My quiet time alone gives me power to obey. My quiet time alone with God each day. He says, I talk to him in prayer every day he meets me there. My quiet time alone with God. There's certainly a place for public prayer. And we need to pray. But folks, we need to make sure that we spend time in our closet. 
And I don't know where your closet is. It might be a small closet in your house. It might be the front seat of your car, a bench in your backyard. But have a place that you can get alone with God. Because it's not about other people hearing you. It's about you going to the Father and spending time with Him. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank You for meeting with us. Thank You for giving us Your Word and the instruction by the, by the Word of God, by Your Holy Spirit. Lord, we need to be praying people. Last week we looked at all the different postures of prayer. Certainly we can get on our face, we can get on our knees, we can stand. We can open our hands toward heaven and, and lift up holy hands. And certainly we think about the times that we need to get alone with you. We need to have a spirit of prayer and pray without ceasing. Lord, even in my own life, I pray that we would develop this out. It was something that Jesus instructed his disciples on how to pray. We need to be praying people. There are many needs, some mentioned tonight, and we need to take those prayers to our closet. We need to pray for one another, bear one another's burdens. But as we come into your presence, wherever that may be, Lord, I pray that we would hear from you, that you would show us what your will is for our lives, that we would be willing to pray like Jesus, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, as, as you worked on Peter's heart, Lord, that happened while he was communing with you. There's something in our lives, it may not be prejudice, whatever it is, that Lord, during those seasons of prayer, that you would show us areas in our life that need to be changed. And we love you tonight. Thank you for the privilege to come to you. Thank you for Jesus making it possible. Now, Lord, bless those that are here tonight. Be with those that were not able to come. Lord, give us a great couple days and bring us back safely that we can worship you this coming Lord's Day. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.